Good morning, Pathway Church. Good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, now, I know some of you are far away from people, but if you got somebody right next to them, just turn to them and say, you don't look too bad today. <laughs> so. now, some of you women have wanted to tell your husband that for a long time, I know. Uh, isn't it wonderful when God shows up and we recognize it? He always shows up, we just don't always recognize it. And one of the amazing things uh, last week as we were uh, meeting Pastor Brian and Cindy, I, I was praying, God, I need you to do an incredible miracle in this divided world with so many different people with so many different attitudes and ideas. If we could have a 97 or 98% vote, that would be a miracle of God. And God said, I can do better than that. 99%, isn't that incredible? And I absolutely believe that Pastor Brian and Cindy are going to be God's choice servants for this place, and I'm excited about that. A few of you have asked, uh, what about us, what we're going to do? Uh, I'll be here through the 16th of November. Pastor Brian's first service will be the 15th. He wanted me to hang around to the 16th for some reason. But anyway, uh, I'll be here through the 16th, and then we hope to do a little uh, travel and see some friends and go see Brenda's mom, and so uh, we're going to take a few days off in retirement, so we look forward to that. Uh, But today we start a new series called Doors. There's a very famous passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 that says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Now, notice the one who has responsibility there is us. He knocks. We have to open the door. But when we open the door, he goes, I'll come in and we'll, we'll eat together. That's a pretty good invitation, right? You know, There are doors everywhere in our lives. Open doors, shut doors, sometimes stuck doors, uh, locked doors. Sometimes doors are slammed in our face. And sometimes they're just multiple doors. So, knock, knock. Okay, it's a series on doors. You got to have at least one knock, knock joke. Okay. Knock, knock. Doris. Doris locked. That's why I'm knocking. There you go. You can share that with all your friends and neighbors. I want to begin this morning by saying uh, our subject today is one of the most relevant ones that applies to all of us at any age in our lives. There are moments in our lives that there are multiple opportunities. There are multiple doors. Which door do we choose? Uh, In church, we spiritualize that a little bit and we say, what's the will of God for my life? And to get even more particular, What's the will of God at this moment in my life? Because while there are things about God's word that are eternal and never fade or never go away, there are situations in our lives that God's will changes over the course of our lives. He has us doing this for a season. He has us doing something else for a season. So how do I know which door's the right door? I have two job opportunities which one should I choose? I got my feelings hurt. God, how should I respond? Should I respond this way or should I respond this way? 
Should I retire or should I keep working? Should I marry this person? What university should I attend and what should my major be? Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme? Well, that's crazy. You know God's will is Krispy Kreme, right? Absolutely, yes. How many of you this morning would say, there's at least one area in my life where I would really love to know God's particular will for me in that area? Anybody? Okay, a lot of us. Let me share you how many of us handle that and how at times in my life I've handled that. We kind of go with our gut, you know, our gut feeling. We're not sure if it's God, God's will or indigestion, you know, but we, that's kind of how we do it. Can, can I be honest with you this morning? Gut feelings are often wrong. Sometimes I uh, do premarital counseling and I'll hear either the guy or the girl say, oh, he just makes me laugh. He makes me smile. And those are wonderful things, but that's not enough for a marriage. You know, a feeling is not enough. It takes more than that. Some of us base our decisions on the circumstances in our lives. And that's not a very good indicator of the will of God. My house sold quickly. It must be the will of God. When I uh, left Clearwater to go to Lexington, Kentucky, I'd been in Clearwater for 16 years. And uh, we felt God was leading us to the church at Eastland in, in Lexington. And our house didn't sell for 16 months. And uh, so we were making payments on a house in Clearwater and rent on a house in Lexington. And we were going way in the hole. And I remember praying and saying, God, I thought this is what you wanted us to do. You know, I remember coming back to the house in Clearwater one time after uh, we had some dear friends that decided to rent our house. They paid one month's rent. And then after six months, we finally had to kick them out, you know. And so I'm sitting by the pool. I'm kind of teary-eyed. I go, God, I, I thought I heard your voice, you know. And he said, I didn't say it'd be easy. I don't like it when he does that, you know. Uh, so we basically lost all the equity in our home for 16 years. But we were in Lexington for 18 years. The church nearly doubled in size. We built a family life center in Liberty Ridge, which is an incredible retirement community with 90, garden, 90 apartments and, and 60 garden homes. And it's still blessing that community 20 years later. So if I'd only listened to the circumstances of my life, I would have said that was a big mistake. But I would truly believe that was the will of God at that time in our lives. We'll talk more about circumstances later, but just to say, uh, circumstances are the least best indicator of God's will for your life. This morning, we're going to look at uh, a tool that, if we follow it, will help us discover God's will in almost any part of your life. And I know that's a big promise to make. I'd go as far as to say that this, this paradigm in our life can help us avoid bad marriages help us go from avoiding bad death, for debt, from going into impulse buying, all kinds of things. The right door, walking through the right door that God gives us is incredibly important. But many of us only ask about God's will and God's door after we've already made decisions and done things, right? You know? And then when God bails us out, then we turn around and do it again. We take back bankruptcy, and 10 years later, we're right back at that same place. We go through one divorce, and then we go through another divorce, and 
maybe we'll start to figure out maybe she wasn't the problem. The Bible tells us, be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. I know we talked about this verse a few weeks ago, but I want to talk about it in terms of knowing God's will today. We know God's will is the wise thing to do, right? But how do we know that wise thing? What if you only walked through doors that you knew God's hand was on that door? Wouldn't that be a good thing? You know, wouldn't most of us say, man, I, I wish that I knew every door I opened or every door I closed, God's hand was there and, and he was showing me what he wanted us to do as we enter it. Well, you can know that. So we're going to start. There's a drawing. I think we have of a hand somewhere. There we go. That's a hand. And I want you to imagine this is God's hand in your life. And, uh, the things that we're going to talk about this morning are not earth-shattering by themselves, but when you put them all together, they give us a path to follow that will help us greatly in discovering God's will for our lives. Uh, I'm indebted to a, a wild and crazy preacher named Stu Hodges where I first saw this hand illustration. Actually, I saw it years earlier, but I can't remember who it was, so I can't give them credit. But Stu, I remember. And I've used uh, this particular uh, diagram in my life many times in my own personal life as I've sought God's will. So the thumb, which by the way is the most important digit you have, you really need that thumb, uh, has Bible written on it. There's a reason why we ask people to read their Bibles. It's a guide for God's will for your life. If you're wondering about debt, if you're wondering about who to marry, if you're wondering about morals and uh, sexuality, if you're worrying about relationships, if you're wondering about whether I should forgive or not forgive this person who's done bad things to me, all these things are addressed in God's Word. And you can download the Word on an app. You can listen to it in your car. If you're looking at your phones this morning, I'll assume you're reading the Bible. And uh, if, if your neighbor sees you're not, take that phone away from them. But, but you know, if they are. Uh, and you can even read the book itself. Uh, I've, for the last several years, I've made the habit of reading through the Bible each year in a, in a different version. I've found that really helpful to me. If the Bible were the only tool you had to follow knowing God's will, you'd be right 90, 95% of the time. If it's about marriage or about finances or about forgiveness over yourself or others, that's all covered in the book. But there are some areas in our lives that are not explicitly dealt with in the book. It doesn't tell us specifically which job to take. It doesn't tell us specifically what to major in in college or even if we should go to college. So in addition to the Bible, the next finger on the hand is pray or prayer. Uh, when the Bible isn't clear for us, we need to pray about God's will for us. If someone tells me that uh, they're praying about whether to forgive someone 
I tell them, you don't need to pray about that. You don't. The Bible is very clear. Just as he has forgiven us, we're to forgive others. And God hasn't changed his mind about that. So don't spend a lot of time praying about whether to forgive somebody. Just, just do it. Forgive them. You know. God hasn't changed his mind. When we get our hearts in tune with God's heart through his word and through prayer, things begin to become clearer for us. Some of you are old enough to remember uh, when you had to uh, adjust antennas to see television. I remember as a kid, my dad used to get up on the roof and he would move that thing around so we could see one of those three channels that we got, you know. And then some of you are a little later in life and you've got the rabbit ears. But the purpose of all those things was to help us get in tune so we could see what we wanted to see. And prayer kind of gets our lives in tune with God so that he can begin to reveal his plan for us. Listen to what it says in James 1.5. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask or pray, God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's a great promise that we need to claim. How many of you have a good friend you talk to often? Okay. I, I've got a good friend, and that, if you see that picture up there, I know it's a little blurry, but uh, the, the handsome guy with a mustache, that was me. The other guy that's not so good looking is Craig. And, and we've been friends for, for over 50 years. We're sitting on a 1967 Pontiac Tempest that had 100,000 miles on it. We drove it to California to do youth camps for nine weeks. And after nine weeks, we were still friends. That's a miracle of God. I, 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 I tell you that. Craig and I still uh, stay in contact. He's in Arizona. I'm in Florida. We probably talk once a month. And when we share together, I know exactly what he's going to say. I mean, we've been friends for that long, but, but it helps me to process it through with him. Uh, and we need to be that familiar with God in prayer. Think about that. God should be your best friend. And we should know what he's going to say, but we still want to process it through with him. I remember praying with God about a person who had done me wrong. You ever anybody do you wrong? This, this person had done me wrong, and I'm, I'm telling God, and, and he said, well, you, you need to forgive them. I said, God, you, you don't understand. Let me, let me tell you what they did, you know. He goes, I know what they did. I'm not condoning what they did, but I don't want you to walk through the door of bitterness. That's not my will for your life. And what I've discovered in prayer is sometimes God changes the subject on me a lot. You know, I come with this deal, and he goes, no, I want to talk about this deal. We need that kind of a relationship in prayer. And the third thing is, is God's spirit, the third finger. If you're a Christ follower, his spirit dwells in you. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the New Living Testament. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And then in Galatians 4, 6, it says, and because we are his children... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Aren't you thankful for God's Holy Spirit? But I can tell you, I've heard some people say some strange things about the spirit. The spirit told me to do this. You ever had that happen? Somebody, oh, I, I, God's spirit's told me and I, I need to tell you this. Well, 
as a pastor, I've learned over the years, I have to have a little uh, test for that that I always use. You see, the Spirit works in conjunction with the Bible and prayer, never contrary to, never against the Bible and prayer. I read recently that a popular pastor had said, uh, you know, Paul was kind of off the mark on a few things. We don't need to listen to Paul anymore. Now, I, I understand that it is important that we check the context of Scripture. That's very important. I sometimes hear people pull out a Scripture here and a Scripture here and says, God says this. Yes, God said that. In what context did he say it? I had a personal experience with that. We had a, when I was pastoring in Daytona, uh, we had a, a, a terrible event happen at our school, and we had all kinds of news people show up, and, and they were interviewing me. And they, and they asked me, well, what precautions did you guys put in place? And I listed all the things that we had done. And I, my last statement was, I don't know what else we could, do, could have done. Well, they edited out all the stuff that we had done, and the only thing they put on television was, I don't know what else we could have done, you know? Well, that was so out of context from what I said. And sometimes people take Scripture so out of context. Yes, it's in the Bible, but that's, what else does it say about that? That's very important to know. We need to be careful not to kind of cherry pick our favorite little things that proves, proves our point. Because the Bible says a variety of things. You know the Bible doesn't always give right the same instruction? In John 4, he tells a woman who uh, was at the well, and he forgives her. He goes, go back to your community and tell them what's happened. To the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, he goes, go sell everything you have and come follow me. You know? In different situations, he gives a different word to us. So it's important that we take the context of the word. There are times that we know the door is the right one or the wrong one because God's spirit speaks to our heart. That's much different than a gut feeling. A year ago, September, your temporary elders contacted me about possibly coming here as an interim pastor. At that time, I was involved in another church as an interim pastor, and I had to be true to my commitment to them. And so even though I felt like, boy, I really think that's what I'm supposed to do, it was like God said, not yet. And I said, well, that means not ever because <laughs> they, got, they got to move on. Not knowing that months later, uh, God would allow me to be here and experience this incredible church and you incredible people. But it wasn't the timing of mine, it was His timing. God's Spirit works in conjunction with His Word and prayer, not independently of it. The fourth finger is the church. Just like when you're married, uh, you know, you have that ring on your fourth finger. We're the bride of Christ spiritually. It says in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I know it's very popular among Christ followers today to say, I love Jesus, but I just don't want to be involved in the church. Too many politics, too many bad things happen at church, you know, People are there, and so they're, they're messed up, you know. And uh, uh, I, I used to have people come to me and say, well, we're going to leave here. We're going to this church. I go, it'll be messed up because you're going there. You know? 
you know, I don't always say that, but sometimes. You know, <laughs> so so you, you got to be careful that, uh, you know, just because the church isn't perfect, we're still the bride of Christ. And uh, some of you remember uh, the days when church attendance was very, very important. I can remember when I was five years old. I grew up in a little church in Mount Sterling, Kentucky. My pastor was Forrest Carlson. He was a spiritual mentor to me. And there was a guy there in the church that wore this bright orange blazer and had all these pins that went from his lapel all the way down to the, the bottom of his coat. Now, when Brent and I first started going to Kentucky, we'd go in stores and we'd see these bright green blazers and bright red blazers. And she goes, who wears those? And I told her, old men in Kentucky wear those. That's, that's, that's how it works, you know. And so this guy on this bright blazer and all these pins, and I thought he must be some kind of a war veteran or something. No, he had 50 years of perfect Sunday school attendance, you know. And he wore that. Remember when they used to wear all those, those lapels and stuff? And some of you remember that. Uh, church has changed a lot. When I first went to ministry, you had to come three times a month just to play softball. Couldn't play softball unless you came three times a month. So guys would come in. You could tell they weren't happy to be there, but they wanted to play softball. You know? And then it got to about 2.4% attendance a month was a regular church attender. In this last decade, it's now about 1.2 or 1.3 times a month is a regular church attender. The reasons are many. We have a lot more leisure time. You get those passes to Disney World, and I got to use those things, you know. And then for all their weirdness, the baby boomers were really pretty regular in church, those who came to church. But now they're starting to retire, and they got grandkids scattered around the country, and they're traveling. And so, you know, more, you know, sporadic church attendance. And then among the young folks, uh, Many of them feel like the church just really isn't that relevant to my life. Those under 30, only 2 out of 10 regularly attend church. 41% of our population never go to church. If you want to see what that looks like, go to a wedding or funeral. They show up for those things. And you see some people going, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> I'm in church. It's kind of crazy. Let me say, if Christ tells us, the church that I established is no longer relevant, then I'll quit coming. But until he tells me that, I need to be among God's people. Because the church is the place where we teach, where we disciple, where we serve, and where we encourage each other. If you miss his body, you can easily miss God's best will for your life. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 12. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. We need each other. We need to be around fellow seekers who are seeking to know God's perfect will for their lives. So we do that together, and we encourage each other, and we speak to each other. Then we live out His will in service to others. You don't just discover God's will so you can say, okay, now I know God's will. No, you discover God's will so you can live out that will in service to others. One of the great ways we do that is in life groups or small groups. 
Brent and I have been part of a life group now for over 12 years. We've done life together. When we were in Monroe City, Indiana, we had people that came there from our life group. You you have to really deliberately want to go there. It's out of the way. And we've had them visit us here. And we have some of our life group members that are struggling right now with, with some really difficult physical things in their lives. And we pray for each other and we encourage each other. So you need the body of Christ. I've been in a hospital rooms where people never went to church and it's a lonely place. But if they're part of the body of Christ, they're, the body of Christ rallies around them in amazing ways. If you read the Bible, if you pray, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, and you spend time in church with fellow seekers, your chances of knowing God's perfect will for your life go way up, way up. The final is the little finger, and that's circumstances. That's a big word to write on the little finger. Uh, The little finger plays the smallest role in your hand. If you're going to lose a digit, that's the one you want to lose. But you don't really want to do that. (laughs) Now, I know that most folks focus on the circumstances of their lives over everything else. Now, God can speak to us through our circumstances, both good and bad circumstances. As I often say, God doesn't waste our pain if we give it to Him. He'll use it for His glory and for our growth. But also know that circumstances are the least reliable tool in knowing God's will because circumstances can be difficult to discern. And sometimes circumstances are the direct result of us not following God's plan for our lives. You know, we got some real health problems. Well, we didn't take care of the temple that God gave us, you know. Uh, Maybe we've made some financial decisions not following God's principles, and now we're in trouble, you know. Circumstances uh, don't always reveal God's plan for us, but circumstances don't stop God's plan either. They create some roadblocks sometimes, but they don't make it impossible to do God's will, just longer and more difficult at times. In places like Honduras and Ecuador, people go to great lengths to come to church. They make a huge sacrifice to come there. It's not easy. The transportation's pretty much non-existent. The roads are terrible. I was in Ecuador a few years ago, and I was in this church service, and this old lady came in. I mean, you could tell she was old. And she had on a really long dress, and she came in halfway through the service. All the song stuff was still going on. She walked right up in front of the pulpit where the pastor was, and he was just starting his sermon. And she stood, as she stood, and then she knelt right in front of it, and she had her arms up, and she was praying quietly the whole time. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by all of this, especially since with this long dress, she had on pink Converse tennis shoes, which I thought was kind of interesting, you know. I got She's styling here. And I found out her story. She was 90 years old. She walked five miles to church and five miles home. And I remember as, as she was kneeling there, I'm thinking, she's not going to be able to get up. But she did. It was amazing, you know. We often look at the roadblocks in our lives, like fear, or conflicts with people, or failure, or lack of resources, or discouragement, or doubt, or second-guessing, and criticism, and we say, my circumstances 
are keeping me from doing God's will in my life. If my husband were more supportive, if my health were better, if I had more money. You see, we're all concerned about the outcome. And God is concerned with the process. He's more concerned about who you're becoming on the journey than he is on the circumstances that are taking place around us. I was at a youth convention a number of years ago, and the speaker was a wonderful young woman, and she was sharing with the kids, teenagers, I shouldn't call them kids, uh, about God's plan for us in terms of sexuality, that he intended for sexual intercourse to be a part of marriage alone. She didn't make that up. It's on the thumb. It's in the word, you know. And, And as she's sharing, she said, I know that some of you have already messed that plan up. You've already failed on that plan. And you think you're missing God's plan. You're missing God's best. And she went on to say, and I want you to hear this. I want you to know something about God's plan. It includes forgiveness and grace. It includes forgiveness and grace. Perhaps today you you want to start living your life the way God really intended as he's talking to these teenagers. And she goes, you can begin at this moment to say, okay, God, I, I want to reserve my body for the husband or the wife that you have planned for me. And I watched as many young girls and guys were quietly weeping at a chance to get it right for a do-over. I thought about people in that situation and many other situations who have gone through the wrong door, who have made bad decisions without even consulting God. How do we get back on track? Glad you asked. Matthew 6, 6 in the message, it's just an incredible passage. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. I can make you a promise this morning. These tools, prayer, the Bible, prayer, the Holy Spirit, church, and life circumstances will help you to know the right doors to walk through and the doors that God is closing. But one more thing is needed. If the whole purpose of doing God's will is to make me feel better and make sure I'm going through the right door, you know, that can become spiritual pride. Our spiritual GPS can become, well, I read the Bible a lot. I pray a lot. And and I know that I'm just doing God's will and what he wants me to do. So what else could be needed? The last slide shows the hand with a heart around it. I think we have that one. Knowing the right door always involves knowing the heart of God. We find his heart in the word, in prayer, but we live his heart by serving others. We can be pretty sure God's best is going to be giving ourselves away to others and living our lives for others. 
There is nothing colder than the Bible without God's grace and heart. It really is a cold thing if you just quote the Bible without his heart. I hear some Christians make some statements that are pretty harsh. The Bible's not intended to be a weapon that we bang people over the head with, you know. Jesus said, I've come for the least of these, the broken, the sinful. That's who he calls us to go to. Now, I want you to notice in the Bible, they are drawn to him. They come to him. They seek him out. And sometimes as Christians, they run from us because we come with the word, but not the heart. You got to put those together. When you get, spend time getting to know God's heart, his will becomes clear. I heard this statement a long time ago, and it's a vital truth in my life. The will of God will never take you, or the grace of God will not sustain you. Say that with me. The will of God will never take you, or the grace of God will not sustain you. It reminds me that God's will is not always the easiest path, but it's always the best path. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, give us your heart. Give us the courage to walk through the doors you open and walk away from those that you close. Inform us through your word. Speak to us in prayer. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. Teach and disciple us in your church. And use the circumstances in our lives, good and bad, to bring about your purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we stand to sing, if, if you got some stuff that you're carrying around and you're, you really need to know God's will, you need to know what God's saying to you, I invite you to come pray today. He's not trying to hide his will from you. He wants to reveal his perfect will to you today. And when you walk in his will, it makes all the difference. Let's stand and sing. Let's respond to God, what he's been saying to us in this moment.
God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Lord, we pray that you would give us the wisdom, the vision that you so graciously and generously provide for if we follow hard after you. May we seek you in every choice, every door that opens or is closed. May we seek your wisdom and your will and your purpose for us. Oh Lord, may you go before every decision we make that when we go to you and ask you for help and for wisdom and for strength, you are on the ready. Lord, your word says you never sleep nor slumber. You watch over us night and day. You're always there, Lord. May we rest in your presence and may we find you at every turn, every scenario, every situation we come into contact with and face in this life. And we thank you, Lord, for that provision that only comes from you. Give you praise and thanks for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, Pathway.